Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and unfortunately, Jillian is on vacation this week, so I'm by myself. I just got out of the interview with Andrew Barth Feldman, and oh my gosh, that kid is so self-aware. 17 years old, his first professional acting gig ever is going into his dream role as Evan Hansen in Dear Evan Hansen. Just phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. The guy was talking to me and having a level of conversation that I'm used to having with some of my adult friends that I think some of my adult friends might not actually even be able to to carry on, which I don't know what that says either about me or my friends. Sorry, friends. Anyway, um, but he's he's a humble kid living his dream. And and I think this speaks to his level of maturity, I think speaks to to what's happening now with with kids and especially teenagers now who have just grown up. Uh, they don't have to beg their parents for a phone anymore. You know, what he said was he's he was the end of a group of 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 kids who didn't have to beg their parents for phones. They everybody just gets one now. That's how parents feel safe. Uh sending their kids out with a phone. We're just kind of getting used to carrying the internet in our pocket and uh, we go deep into into how Evan Hansen is is kind of bringing to light a lot of what kids feel or maybe what they're afraid to talk about or even for parents it's allowing them to sort of empathize with their with their children in a way that that you know we didn't really we weren't really able to in the past so it speaks to him the show and the role speaks to him on a very personal level he was always attracted to it and just out of gosh half luck, half talent. Uh, he, Stacey Mindich, lead producer for Dear Evan Hansen, saw him win the Jimmy Awards and, and you know, basically bypassed a whole bunch of, uh, of audition processes to send him to the equivalent of a final callback. And, you know, long story short, here he is on stage six months in, crushing it. So... Anyway, sorry to ramble on. Sorry to ramble on at the end of the interview, too, about Disney. We share a, a huge mutual love for Disney World, but um, stay through the closing questions. I promise it will be worth it. He gives an, an impression of, uh, of someone that you don't want to miss. Before we get into the interview, please take a moment and visit ttp.fm and go to ttp.fm slash Patreon to show your support. If you're at a certain tier, you can get advance notice of who we're interviewing, so you can submit questions. Other tiers get other reward levels. There's lots and lots of good stuff in there. So everybody, please enjoy this episode with Andrew Barth Feldman. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. After winning the 2018 Jimmy Award for Best Performance by an Actor, he found his way at the age of 16 into the title role of Evan Hansen in Dear Evan Hansen, his first professional gig ever. Andrew Barth, Feldman, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Are you just living your best life these days? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not, um, I mean, it's the dream and it's everything I've ever wanted, but it's, it's, as, it's also as exhausting as I had as I'd prepared for it to be, I think. So it's everything I've ever wanted, but it's not um, like I'm super good and that's it. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm working my, my butt off, you know? Right, so are you, are you able to do eight shows a week? Uh, no, Evan does eight shows a week. So I do, I oh, do right. the, the standard yeah. six. I, I started doing five because I was in school and of course yeah. my, my voice is still developing. So they take, they really, they really made sure to ease me into it. So as to account for my, more long-term mm-hmm. success. Yeah. So, so you you alternate with Michael Lee Brown. Yeah. And you be you're the primary. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, are if you were though, I mean, if you were able to do eight shows a week, would you be able to legally? Because there's 
There's yeah. child child labor laws. So I so I bypass a lot of the child labor laws, not all of them, but I don't need like a wrangler. I, I don't need a, a guardian with me at the theater. I do. I can't work more than ten hours a day. I think is what it is. Is like I like from start to finish. Yeah. It can't be ten hours. But other than that, I I bypass. I think the I, I've aged out of the majority of. The, so you're seventeen uh, now. Yeah. Yeah. So would be a junior in high school. Yeah, but, I'm going into my my senior year. Well, yeah. are you? So are you still in high school? So yeah, pretty much. So I'm I'm being I have been um, tutored. While this has all been going on, the, the show has provided tutoring for me, which is what a lot of kids do. So I, I tutored through my junior year, and I'm going to do it for um, a lot of my senior year. Do you, think, do, you, do you think you're going to be in Evan Hansen like, through your whole senior year? or is it? You know, I mean, are you still technically enrolled in high school? Or are you going to get to go to your senior prom and all yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I could. I probably won't because I don't really want to. But it's, um, really? No, I, you know, I, I, a lot of people ask, like, do I feel like I'm missing out? Do I feel like I'm missing out that I'm not going to prom and stuff? And not really. I, you know, my friends, the majority of the time I made outside of school in, in theater. And certainly I have friends in school, but my school is very small. So it doesn't feel like it's like such a huge thing to be um, not going to prom. So... But I'll I'll be tutored and and I'll you know finish my senior year that way presumably. Well, you mentioned you mentioned high school and your friends outside of of high school. I guess uh, your theater friends are your your best friends. That's your tribe, I guess, for a lack yeah, of, totally. of a better description. But like you're still young, you're 17 now. But when did you first start singing? When did you get into theater and performing? Yeah. So I okay. So I saw my first show when I was when I was three years old. I saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. And I was a, a very sort of, I was very mature for a three-year-old. And I am... Um, <laughs> is that Chris Sieber? Was he? Uh, he, was, he was in it. I don't remember if he was in the original cast, but he did. I know he did play Gaston at some yeah. point. Um, but, I, but I saw it. It was at the, the Palace Theater. And I, I didn't, I, my brain, it, it was just sort of the switch that turned on in my brain that I was like, oh, I get what's happening here. Like we're, we're, we're being invited to step into another world. And I was obsessed with that, even though I, I didn't really fully understand it on a, an articulate level, I, I really just something instinctual happened when I when I saw it, and like five years later, I was I was eight years old, and somebody said, "Hey, there's this community theater; they're doing a production of Annie. Do you want to go audition?" And I was like, "This is a thing we can just do. Like, we can just go to a place and <laughs> and and do this. We don't have to be chosen by God or something." And so I. I played um, Mr. Bundles, the laundry man, in the worst production of Annie ever. I was eight years old, and I was like, "Yeah, this is what I'm. This is what I want to do forever." Where was that? I the don't even city? remember. Do it, it was. I, I live on Long Island, so it was yeah. in. It was in like the Five Towns, maybe like Valley Stream or something. I don't know, but it was. But but up until that point, I I I I didn't really understand how to get into that world, and I just sort of lived my life as if it were. A movie, like I just sort of narrated in my head things that were, like I really would you, talk you to myself. Are, and you are seventeen-year-old me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would always pretend that someone was watching me. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. was that was that was that was up until I discovered theater. Up until I discovered that I could go and and be a part of it, and it wasn't such an unattainable thing. But that you're was, you're kind of a techie nerd too. Did, let me let me ask you if you did the same thing that I did. I, I imagine someone was watching me, but I imagine they were watching me from the future. Whoa, that's really good. So like they, I was always <laughs> like when I was just standing in a room by myself, I was always like posing, not not really posing, but I was like, I wonder what they're thinking of me right now from twenty years from now, <laughs> like watching me do this. You know, I well, you know, I kind of had like very much like a child's understanding of life and its and its longevity, and I sort of I, I imagined it as if it were like. A movie and there was an audience and it was like scripted. That was how I understood life until I became a part of theater. That that was that was really how I how I made sense of it all. And so I, I guess I imagined it more of like an audience, and then eventually there would be an end. And I, I don't know, but it was like that was just kind of how I I processed it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally relate to that, but. As you grew up, though, did you were you like the class clown, or were you the quiet guy who found comfort on stage, or were you the 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 attention seeker that just found a natural spot on stage? Yeah, i I think, I think it, I, I think once I discovered 
being a part of theater, that's when I really became like a total jerk and like an attention <laughs> snob for like all of elementary school. I was I was the worst because I was just like, oh, I love this. And I would like, there was like an assembly every week and I would always perform and like get people together and do a huge thing. But before that, my mom always tells these stories of when I was in like nursery school, there were these performances that we would have to do and I would refuse to stand up. Like everyone had to like was sitting and then they would stand up and sing a song. I would not stand up. I refused. I sat in the back. There are pictures. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was, I was up until that point, I was definitely not, um, not a, not a rambunctious kid. I was, I was, I was, I guess, pretty quiet. You had to get comfortable in your, in yeah. your surroundings first. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So then after Annie, what was, what was next after that? I mean, you started performing in middle school, high school. Yeah. I, right after that, I, so I auditioned for a production of Beauty and the Beast Jr. And I didn't know, I, I had never auditioned for anything because Annie was like a very young kids production. So it wasn't like a, a traditional audition process, but this was like a traditional audition process. And they were like, do you have any idea what you want to sing? And I was like, no, I don't know. <laughs> and they made me sing Be Our Guest and I kind of knew it. And I got cast as LeFou. And this was like, that was when I was, oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is, I can be funny. I can, I can make people laugh in a really stupid way by being like hit on the head and stuff. And so that was sort of when I found my aisle. But also from that, I was asked by the director and, and producer of that show to be in a touring, quotes around touring, production of A Christmas Carol, which went to like different libraries around Long Island. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was adult. It was with adults. And that yeah. was when I think I grew up so much because I started doing those touring or whatever productions of that. And then I did Bye Bye Birdie and a, and a lot of those from the same theater company that also sort of became a, a second home to me. And so that was when I grew up a lot, but also found my knack for comedy, which is really what I what I grew up doing. Well, interesting, because Evan Hansen, known for its comedy. <laughs> um, you know, pe- people don't remember how, how funny the show actually is, and, and I've, I've been able to um, find a couple of, of new comedic moments or, or, or bring some back from Ben that, that Taylor sort of did away with to, to focus on a different point of the show, and, and I just have a knack for that, and I know Taylor does too, but he really so made that his own, and I sort of have taken them all together and, and blended them into one. And I'm so I, I get to bring some 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 comedy to him, which I'm really happy about. That's fun. Well, t- let's talk about Dervin Hansen. How did you how did you get into the production? How were you asked to to audition? Yeah, Tell me the story. It, it came from from the Jimmy Awards, which which you mentioned mm-hmm. before. I I was a part of that, um, which is the National High School Musical Theater Awards for people who may or may not know. And I, I won that and it was sponsored by Dear Evan Hansen. So Stacey Mindich, our lead producer, was in the audience, as well as Tara Rubin, the casting director, was one of the judges. And apparently, according to her side of the story, at intermission, Stacey texted Tara and was like, we need to get him in the room. I think he's our next Evan. And that was crazy to me because Dear Evan Hansen was my favorite show. It is my favorite show. Um, from the moment I saw it, I, w- I was speechless. I think it really articulated something that I hadn't been able to articulate. Um, and so that was really special to me. And so I got... Uh, an email a few days later that they wanted me to come in and audition for the male swing. So I would be covering the roles of Evan, Jared, and Connor. Really, they were just looking at me for Evan, but they wanted to keep their options open, I, I suppose. Um, and I talked to some other people who had been through the ringer with the Evan Hansen, and, and, you know, they see everyone. They, they really, they do so many open calls. They see as many kids as they can because it's such a specific... Thing that this this role requires, and pretty much from what what these people who had been through it before were telling me was that I'd skipped the process. I I, I what what they'd asked me to do was a work session, and then the fi- essentially what would be the final callback with Michael Greif, Stephen Levinson, Pasek and Paul, Alex Lackamore, Stacy, the whole team, and that was r- ridiculous to me. It it was it was so mind-blowing. And so I, I went and I did the work session. I did the audition. And I was so nervous. And I remember I, I walked in and Michael Greif 
says, why don't you do a little bit of waving for us? And I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> and they laughed and I said, I'm just really excited to be here. And I think that might've been when I, when I got the role because <laughs> that was, I, I just, I just was so nervous, but so happy to be in the room. And that, that was really it. I got a, I got a call the next day that said, um, they're going to find a place for you in the Dear Evan Hansen family. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what that means. And but then the day after, my mom told me that she had been on the phone with my agent and, and that I was going to be replacing Taylor, which was nuts. That's crazy. Well, okay, so back up a second. So you already had an agent. I did. Yeah, so you already had an agent. You were already talented enough and noticed enough to be in the Jimmy Awards because not everyone can do that. That was really special, yeah. So uh, I guess, like, when did you know you were kind of like, hey, I can, I can do this? You know, I don't think I know that now. I, I, I think it's kind of, I just knew that I really wanted to. And I, I knew that I had, if nothing else, the determination that I was going to work and grow forever until I got there. So even if I didn't have the skills, then I was going to take every opportunity I could to grow those skills and hone those skills so that one day I, I could be on Broadway. It just happened way sooner than I or anyone thought that it would. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for that. Well, yeah, like I said in the intro, this is your first professional gig yeah. ever. I've never been paid to, to do this. Never and been now, paid. Yeah. And you're thrust into, let me check this, my notes here so I don't get it wrong. Ms. Mojo, the YouTube channel. Have you heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they put out in February, I think it was pretty recently, a list of top 10 hardest roles on this Broadway. This video was so controversial. Everyone was so mad about this video. Aaron, I remember it. Yeah, Evan Hansen's number two. It's number two. What was I think number one was uh, Christine? It, Mama Rose. Oh, yes. Or m maybe people are mad that Christine wasn't on the list or something. I don't remember. It was, it was, I just remember that video being very controversial. But yes, it was number two. So never being paid before. You're you've got an agent who I guess hadn't booked you anything paying yet. Uh, yeah. We we you know, I'd I'd been to a lot of auditions, but it was just smaller stuff and people weren't interested in me. Once once the Jimmies happened, it was like I went to do like a zillion auditions because everyone was wondering who these kids were, me, me and Renee. And, and so, yeah, that was, that was crazy. Well, you, but you were, so you were auditioning for other stuff while still doing all the callbacks and, and the yeah. pre-work for Evan? Yeah, I, I, the Evan thing, I, it was really just that one callback and it was sort of the last thing I did. And then I was like, I guess I'm not going to audition for stuff anymore. But One I, callback? Yeah, it, that, that's the... That's or I guess the, one audition, it wasn't even a callback. Yeah, it was, it was, that was truly truly um insane that that they took that chance on me it was so special I, I think something that I was proud to exemplify in my audition was my ability to take notes and change my performance based on that and I think they sort of saw okay if he can do this in the room and he can take notes he can do this mm -hmm. and we will train him and make sure he's okay and they really did so um, that was Michaela's story too they called that, her in for share mm -hmm. show Michaela Diamond they're like they just wanted to see if she could take notes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they, they, they in the work session they really um, threw me a couple things to make to make sure that I, I could I could do that, and that's just such an important skill to have in this business, especially the way that it is right now, where theater is so much more internal, musical theater is so much more internal than it's ever been, and so I think that's so important to be able to change your performance at the drop of a hat to to fit a bigger picture. Mm hmm. Hmm. You you had said you said a second or a few minutes ago that um, De Evan Hansen was your favorite show before you even went into it because it, yeah. it articulated something that you were feeling. Is that is that what you said? Yeah, and I don't I don't I don't I don't struggle with a diagnosis of anxiety or depression, and I'm very lucky and very thankful for that. But I was a teenager, and I am a teenager, and and that anxiety and that isolation is something that we all feel. Mm -hmm. At any level of of maturity or emotional maturity, it's it's that's that's something that we're experiencing for the first time. I think it's something that everybody knows very well, and it was my first experience with that being articulated in that way, hmm. and and it, I was I was speechless. Yeah, yeah, it it did it did shed a lot of light on you know teen depression and teen suicide specifically. Yeah, that uh, hadn't got attention before, but yeah, I like man, kudos for you for seeing all that. I, I, I didn't have broadband. 
high-speed internet until I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me like, what's broadband? Yeah. I was trying to figure out what, what you, where you were going with this. And yeah. Yeah. I didn't have broadband, <laughs> high-speed internet, cable modem, until I went to college, which was 98. 1998, I was eight or 17 at the time. So that was when I was already in college. I was already, I already left my parents. But kids now, like all through high school, your age and before. We're born with it. I I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have Vine. I didn't have Snap, whatever. Whatever all the kids are doing these days. And the level of exposure that you're subject to now. Like, I have two small kids, and I worry about them. Yeah. I worry because I, I, I my older one especially is very sensitive, and I don't want him to be bullied and feel like he can't talk about it or not understand what it is. I mean, that's, that's, that's what the show's about. Yeah. That's what it is, 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 is the generation who's born with an iPhone in their hand and feels that isolation from that hyper-connectivity. It's, I, I was sort of the very, very end of the generation that had to like beg my mom for a phone. Everyone just, they, you have to have it now because it, feel, it feels like you won't be safe. You won't be safe unless you have it. Unless, like, like for kids, like if you're going to go out, you need to have a phone now. That's, that's why so many parents like have to, their kids have to have it now. So I started with, with the flip phone so I could be safe. But um, <laughs> The Razor? Yeah, it was, it was, it's terrible. I still have it. I throw it on the, at the wall and it doesn't break. It's amazing. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I just, that, that feeling of, oh my God, everyone's life is better than mine that you get from the internet is something that is so universal now. And it's, it's something that's such a central theme of, of our show. God, kids now are going to grow up so much better than I did. <laughs> I, what you said, I don't even know if I had the wherewithal to, to say about that. To say that now. I'm 38 now, and I, and I still... Uh, very similarly to what you said a second ago of like, uh, and everybody feels isolation and sort of like an outcast at any stage of maturity. And, and I, at 38, I don't feel how I would have expected myself to feel at 38. Like looking back at my younger self and thinking, oh, my 38-year-old parents, mm. I would have expected them to be a certain way or feel a certain way. And I still feel like a kid inside. I still feel like totally. I'm... In my 20s, mentally. You never stop figuring stuff out, you know? I, th I think that that goes without saying. And, and it's something that I've discovered so much from being in this show with all these veterans of, of the stage who are so incredible. They still are like, I can't figure this out. I can't figure this one moment out. Or I can't, you know, I, I want to change this up. It's, it's amazing. And, it, and it's also so encouraging for me that I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one that's screwing up here, you know? So it's, it's, it never, it never stops. And I think that's something that, that kids need to know a lot. And it's definitely something that Dear Evan Hansen says through the characters of Heidi and Cynthia and Larry that, um, they, they, they don't know what they're doing. And, and that's, that's so important that we, we rely on our parents so much, but, but they're figuring out just as much as we are. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the show opens with anybody have a map, exactly. right? Like that's... the parents have no clue what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's interesting to me. I I don't, I don't, I don't envy my parents because I was a rough first child. I was I'm the older <laughs> of two. My brother could do anything he wanted. Oh yeah. And then I and then I was always and then my yeah I was always getting him mad and making him angry. And then it's even my older one too. My younger one. My wife says that I I am lenient on the younger one, but um, I don't think so. <laughs> he just he just knows what buttons not to push. He, knows he learns he learns from the older one, but in in Evan Hansen, so you're coming in first professional gig. Uh, this is now a job. It's not a limited run, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, community theater and that and that echelon, right? You you rehearse for months and you have like two weeks of you performances, do it like twice maybe, yeah. if, or like if yeah. that. Yeah. But this is eight shows a week. You said you did six six now, right? Six, yeah. yeah. So how do you how do you maintain your health? Was there anything like surprising about this when you're getting you're like I can do anything and yeah. then you I get mean, in and it's not the same? Yeah, I I you know, I think Ben Ben Platt set such a precedent for you you can't do anything. Like that was his whole thing when he was all the articles, everything about Ben said he just sits and he's a monk and he doesn't talk. And it's like, okay, I guess that's what I have to do. And, and I got there and everyone was like, yeah, that's what you're going to have to do. And I was like, okay, I guess that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I do. So I, I don't talk. 
I, I, I found that talking lightly a little bit, so like this is fine because talking lightly a little bit helps so that I'm not starting from scratch when I get to the theater and I'm mm-hmm. having to warm everything up from nothing. Um, but yeah, my diet is super restrictive. Uh, it's way, I think that's the thing is that it's way more restrictive than I thought it was going to be. And I'm having way more of a problem with that than I thought I was going to have. I essentially eat the same thing every day. Um, Which is what? Now it, 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 it goes through phases, but right now it's, I eat sushi for lunch, which is it's avocado, mango, and shrimp rolls. Those are all super good things that I can have. And then for dinner, it's an avocado and roast beef sandwich. There's nothing else on the sandwich. It is avocado and it's roast beef. And avocado is really good. Avocado is like the Liz Kaplan, who's our folk consultant on the show. That's She swears by it. Avocado gives you energy. It's not acidic. It's not alkaline. You can have it. But um, yeah, I've tried a lot of other things. And then she was like, you can't be eating that. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll stop eating that. That was that was with a lot of stuff. But I remember during the rehearsal process, I... I hadn't really started the diet yet, and I guess I was trying stuff out. So I, I had a burrito like every day, and then eventually I was like, "This is not working for me." That's heavy. Yeah, it's a heavy meal. Hey, when you're playing this role, you gotta eat. Lisa Brescia had said something to me that was like, when she was playing Alphaba, she was essentially starving herself because she was like, "I can't eat," and then eventually she was feeling like lightheaded, like she couldn't do it. And she was like, "Oh, I need to eat like a burger every day." to get through this role. You need you need that you need the calories. protein, you need you need that fuel. So, it's it's finding the balance of not eating so much that I'm still digesting it and it's not screwing with my voice, but eating enough that I have fuel. So there's like protein bars and dark chocolates actually really good for your voice. Really? It's okay for your voice in moderation and it's it gives you a lot of energy. So those are the two sort of mid-show snacks that I have. I just chow down on like a Mars dark bar at, at intermission. Yeah. Yep. 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 I have I, it's 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 actually the one I have now is it's Girardelli like eighty seven percent cacao, which is kind of gross, but um, yeah, it it's good for it. It gives me energy for yeah, sure. That's crazy. And then you cut out dairy too. You were saying I right? did, which yeah. was really hard for me. Every every Sunday, Liz has said I'm allowed to have a little treat, so I'll have some cheesecake. I, I call it Cheesecake Sunday every Sunday. <laughs> but um, other than that, because I don't have a show on Monday, so I can wait a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, yeah, that was really hard for me because that was sort of my whole diet was gross dairy. Well, yeah, a teenager, you're a teenager. Like, exactly. Yeah, you just want like burgers and cake and Because you know, I can, you know? Right, right. Yeah, before, <laughs> before your metabolism just all goes to hell. Yeah, I'm not excited for that. I don't. I don't think you're gonna have to worry about that. You look like Thanks. you have a very, a very skinny build. That's what it. That's what. That's what it's been my uh, my my whole life thus far. Is my metabolism is really really high, which is great. Well, but keep, keep it going. I hope I can. <laughs> did you Did you get to talk with Ben or, or obviously you replaced Taylor, so you, yeah. you had some overlap with him. But did either of them? Um, did they give you any advice or any help on, uh, you, you were like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. Guys. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Something that they, they've both said is they didn't, they, they held off from giving me advice because they know how personal the process is and they don't want to impose upon that and me finding my own Evan. So, so it's, it's pretty rare that they gave advice on, you know, how to approach the character. It was more advice on how to approach this lifestyle of playing the character and and what the world of Evan Hansen is. So the people that I would get to know and um, how to deal with the tears and how to deal with the social media aspect of, you know, maybe getting some negative comments. They were both unbelievably helpful in in just making sure I had the, the I was I was mentally and emotionally prepared to go into it. But it was rare that Unless I asked for it, they wouldn't give me advice that was about how to how to play Evan. Hmm. It was more just about how to handle him. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't think about that. That, it, that it's, I mean, you're birthing your own version of it. You're not. It is a very. It's such a personal role that you're not. You're not doing the tailor. You're not doing not. the Ben. And you can't. If I if I try to be Ben, I I would fail. I have to be right. my Evan. I can't try to be Ben. I can't try to be Taylor, and I can't try to be me. I just, I just have to try to be Evan and what he means to me. Well, okay, so then what is what is your take on Evan different to, the, to what the two of them did? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, from an obvious base perspective, what what people have really seemed to respond to is just seeing a teenager 
and and just removing that layer of of disbelief that that you might have is really I think really powerful to see. So even if I don't do anything else, it's it's still a kid going through this and that's really really hard to watch and I think it it allows for a bit more forgiveness, which is I think so um so crucial and and really special and I'm really thankful for that, but I think in terms of how I pl- I play him, I think my Evan is very sensitive. He, he's a lot more sensitive than, you know, Ben's where, where stuff almost would, would fly past him because he's so in his head about what may or may not happen. And I think my Evan sort of goes into the more in the direction of, oh, okay, you said that you could have meant this or just really, really, um, perceptive. And, and I think it's, it's a bit more, um, for me, it allows me to be be as present as possible because I'm really, really listening. Um, Ben's was so iconic, and I, I just couldn't, I didn't want to to replicate that, and and so that's sort of what I found. That's what that's how his anxiety manifested itself to me was was in that perception. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That I haven't seen you do the role. I would absolutely love to because it. You're right. It it to see age appropriate characters. Or age-appropriate actors play the characters. I think. Yeah, I think the the big the biggest response has been from parents, which has been really cool. Oh, really? Because they've sort of been like, or or if or teachers or people who who have a lot of kids in their life, and they're like, now I get it. Like, I I don't want I don't want these kids to to go through that. I I know this. Or people who work with special ed kids, especially, are um, are are really really touched by it because they imagine what it would be like if, if one of those kids that they work with or, or have in their life would, would go through the things that Evan does. Well, so many people do. And, yeah. they, never, and they never talk it's so about true. it. It's so true. And I think this really opened up that, that conversation of knowing someone who, who might go through that. It's, 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 so, it's, it's so scary to, to think about. Do you read comments on social media? Are you know, you, I try not to, really? but it's it, I fail sometimes, and that really is hard. You know, the, the majority is is positive. People, you know, you'd have to do you'd have to be pretty bad to not do this role well. It's 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 so hard, but it's written so well that it's 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 certainly not easy. But if you if you hit if if you do it and you push yourself to do it, you, you can you can do it effectively. Maybe not as effectively as 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 Ben or, or Taylor, whoever plays the role on Broadway, but you you can deliver it and you can make people feel something. But absolutely, there are people who are like, he's not Ben, and that's that's really hard. Um, and I definitely get in my head on a daily basis and and feel that that doubt of maybe I'm not right for this, and maybe maybe there was a mistake made somewhere along the line, and I shouldn't be here, but. Nevertheless, I go out and I do it, and if nothing else, I use it because because that's what Evan's feeling. Right. Well, you've got seventy four thousand Instagram followers. So now. weird. And it, it, has that all come about in the last like six months since you joined? Yeah. Or since the announcement, I guess that um, you were going to be. Evan? We were we were playing a game. My 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 family and and my girlfriend were all there the day of of the announcement that that I was going to be Evan, which was last November, and we just kept refreshing my Instagram. Literally every second, and it was just it just kept going up. It was it was crazy, and it was so funny. And and you know, I'm it's nice. It's it's nice that people people care. This is a role that it matters whose hands it's in to people. It's it's one of those roles. It's it's like an alphaba. That's that's what I tend to equate it to a lot. We really care about who's playing alphaba, and we really care about who's playing Evan. So yeah, it's 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 nice to have that to have that audience. Hopefully, I can use it to, you know, put out some stupid things into the world. We'll see. <laughs> well, what else? What else do you do outside of theater? I mean, do you have any? Do you have any uh, any hobbies that you're allowed to have time for right now? Yeah, um, I sort of the, the 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 quiet activities I do that that are sort of to occupy my mind are are things like Legos, which we talked about earlier. I I, I build Legos. I'm working on a city right now. I just did Hogwarts. That was a big project. <laughs> um, Legos. Video games, but I also I write a lot. Um, I, I pretty much all my hobbies 
involve theater are 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 a part of theater. So I've I've directed in the past. I, I run a theater company that I started, I guess, like six years ago now, called Nefrock Productions, um, which raises money for uh, Next for Autism, which is an amazing mm. organization. Um, and I've directed and I, I've written for it. And so so I, I write a lot. I write a lot of music. Um, that that's a that's a nice activity to do. If usually I'm pretty emotionally drained after the show, but if I'm feeling particularly emotional about the show or after the show or what have you, writing is a really good way to 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 get rid of that. Do you, you write uh, prose or music? What do music, you yeah, yeah. I, I write music. You play um, guitar, guitar, piano, a, a couple of instruments, um, mostly piano, but I'm I've I know ish. Guitar, drums, bass, ukulele. That's it, I think. Self-taught? Or do you, you ever take lessons? Um, I, t- I took lessons in guitar and piano when I was a lot younger. But mostly, I, I, I ended up teaching myself how to, how to write and, and, and theory and stuff like that. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I normally ask this to, to guests, and we just we kind of glossed around it. But um, your parents... Were they were are they musically inclined? Are they in theater or no? Uh, um, my uh, my my grandmother on my dad's side was a concert pianist. So my dad used to play a lot, but he, and he introduced me to a lot of the music that I listened to, like like classic rock, is a lot of my like the Beatles and and um, Queen and and that sort of genre is really really my sweet spot. Um, my mom. Absolutely not. Never. Um, she she was never into it. I have a, a brother. He's really my cousin, but we were essentially raised together. So who is like crazy musician, amazing musician. So it just sort of has come up at random spots in my family. I have another cousin who's, who's an actress and plays the cello for, for no particular reason. It just kind of finds itself in my family. But my mom did not want me to do this. She did not want me to be an actor. She thought I was going to struggle for years and not make any money and not be able to have a family. Um, but I think what we have now is a really good start. So I'm very <laughs> thankful for that. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to go to a conservatory for college. And my mother is a college admissions counselor. And she was like, absolutely not. You need a liberal arts education. She was absolutely right that that's what I needed and that's what I plan to do. So you're still going to go back to college? That's the plan. Yeah. yeah. Even if it even if it um, takes a little bit longer because I'm because I'm working or or whatnot. But I do want that experience, and I think that's such a such a formative thing. And I I, I think I would really miss out on that if I didn't. Hmm. Are there any other roles that like has popped in mind? Of obviously, Evan Hansen is a teenager. Are there any other roles that popped in mind that you like obsessed over or that you yeah. would, like love to sing? I have a list. I mean, oh, do you really? Because I'm you know I'm a, I'm a theater nerd. I think a lot of us have a list. Um, I, I I think the one that I usually say, and I stand by it, is yeah, I'm Quasimodo in Hunchback. I almost got my school to do it, and then I did Dear Evan Hansen instead. Um, but that would have been really cool. Um, I think I'm re- I love Little Shop of Horrors, and Seymour, I would love yeah. to play Seymour, but secretly I would really love to play Audrey too, even though I know that's not a thing that could ever happen to me. Um, yeah, I mean, there are so many. I think, I think what I love to do more than anything else is originate a role in a Broadway show. I think just to be part of a new show and um, be on a cast recording and, and just love a, a new piece of work and, and give it my my stamp would be really special. And everybody compares all the replacements to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's my that's my um, revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Take that Ben Platt. <laughs> he'll he'll go in and fill you fill your role one day. Oh yeah, sure. But you said you said you're into Legos. Um, you're into I was looking through your Instagram feed and you post a lot about Disney. I do. Oh, I'm, I would love to talk about this. Yes, yeah. please. Yeah, that was sort of another thing that was like, um, I went to Disney World for the first time when I was six months old. I went because my parents promised my sister that nothing would change when I was born. And so my first movie I ever saw was Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler because they promised they would take her. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it was that sort of thing. So I went What's to What's the Disney. age difference with you and your sister? She's 12 years older than me. Okay. So so she was, she was 12 when I was born. Um, and so we went to Disney, our whole family. I don't remember it. I was asleep the whole time. But it just sort of, that's the foundation that was laid of escapism because that's really what, what, what Disney's all about is, is this is another universe. And I think that there's such an overlap there with theater of, when I saw Beauty and the Beast, I was like, this is another way to get there. 
you know? And, and so I, I'm just obsessed with it and I can't explain it. I think it's just such a, I think Disney just gives that feeling of perfection in the world. If you can turn a blind eye, which I can and do to the corporationness, the capitalism of the whole situation, which that's going to be, you know, part of anything. Mm-hmm. I think Disney is is art, and 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 it's, it's it's just such a it's just so magical. And I'm I'm a big connoisseur of, of the parks specifically, but really the whole brand. I I, I eat it up. I absolutely eat it up. Well, they 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 put so much into the entire experience. They do make it an yeah, experience. It's so immersive. And and and. It, yeah, it's very immersive. Like even the lines, the cues, right? Yes. Like just waiting. There's games. That the whole thing is themed. Where you go to other theme parks, and you don't get any. It's just a, a boring. Any, it's just like a roller coaster that you go on, yeah. and that's great. Yeah. And I love that too. I'm 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 super duper. I'm totally like an adrenaline junkie, and I, I love coasters. Um, I love doing crazy weird stuff. But Disney is 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 just you. It's the easiest way to suspend your disbelief, because there's no way out of it. There's no way to look at what's behind the curtain because there's they do such a good job of covering up the curtain in the first place. Yeah. It's amazing. It's it's and and I can't wait to go and, and see what they've done with with Galaxy's Edge with the new Star Wars land because it's it's supposed to be totally groundbreaking. I can't really wait. yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. We I take I've Gone every year, at least once a year, with with my kids. So they're, they're not into Star Wars yet; uh, they're <laughs> still too young. But uh, we'll get there. They're into. Good. We went to Toy Story Land this oh, year. Oh, I love so. it! I I think it's they did such a good job. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and and you like animatronics too, right? Like I'm super into animatronics like, yeah. on the Instagram. Yeah, Instagram feed. You're just posting animatronics. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. I think it. I mean, it's unbelievable what they can do now. Apparently, the new rumor is that with the new um, Marvel Lands that they're building, they're going to use something called stuntronics. Which are animatronics that can like, like do flips in the air, and like land. They're using what? it for movies now, and they're going to use it in the parks, for Marvel lands. Well, what's the uh, Boston Dynamic, the robotics company? Boston Dynamics. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that's. One you know, when they're like hitting it with the hockey stick and closing yeah. the doors on it. That's what I picture. I picture like that kind of <laughs> robot just coming up and doing flips. They're and, so they're also yeah. it's it's it would be so weird, but I I. I would be very interested to see it. And it would work with Marvel because, you know, you don't have to have the mouths move or whatever for like a Spider-Man sort of thing. So I think it would be really cool. Oh, I can't wait for that. I did not know. I'm going to have to go research yeah. stunt animatronics. It's just That's- always like what they did with Pandora recently, uh, the the Avatar Land, the animatronics they yeah. have there are like, you can't distinguish it from a real... I mean, there's nothing real to it compared to it's blue right. people, but it, um, <laughs> if if they, they were look, real people, yeah, if that's yeah. that's what it would be, it's yeah. it's nuts. Yeah, I I am so impressed with that. If you were not doing theater, though, would you get into computer science? Would you get into yeah to animatronics? Would you want to go be an imagineer for Disney? Yeah, we were talking about that. So yeah. I I think I think I so I sort of had this um, idea when I was young. My family really was like, you could be. A computer programmer because we don't want you to be an actor because I don't think that's a steady job and you could you should do it like on the side or whatever but like as a as a backup plan you can go into programming because you know a lot about computers. What I soon learned is that I know a lot about computers compared to my family because <laughs> they're older and don't know about it. I did right. I did take some classes I did take some programming classes and I just quickly realized I can't I can't I can't do this I can't live my life behind. Behind a desk, I don't think I could. I could do that my whole life, and I, I was, I was pretty optimistic about it up until that point. And it was, it was when I was sort of at a point at where, okay, maybe acting isn't such a good idea, and maybe I'm not cut out for this. But it sort of came at a time when I started to become more and more confident in my acting from doing, from being able to play new roles. I'd always played these comedic roles, and then all of a sudden, I, I played um, Galileo in We Will Rock You. <laughs> And it was the first. It was the first role that I'd been given where I was able to belt my face off and wear a leather jacket. And I, it will never happen to me ever again because I look like this. But it was sort of, oh, I'm I'm good. I'm good at this. I'm good enough at this that I could maybe make this work. And I don't like sitting behind a desk and typing and making snake games all day. So I 
think I'm not going to do that. So in, in reality, I think if this didn't work out, I would probably be a jungle cruise skipper. I think is what I would be doing. <laughs> I love the jokes on that ride. I always have to go on the jungle cruise. It's 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 good to see each person's take on it. And I really love it when you can tell they don't want to be doing that. That this is not the job that they wanted at Disney World and they're phoning it in. That's my favorite kind of jungle cruise game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah, I could always tell who's really into it and who's like, all right, I'm just saying my lines. Here yeah. we go. Because <laughs> I think that deadpan shtick is what makes it work. That's what's so great yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. It's so, it's because it started, the jungle cruise started as like, whoa, these animatronics are so cool. And then over time, people were like, these animatronics are not cool. And so they added all those jokes in so that they didn't have to change the ride. And they could just make a joke out of these bad old animatronics, which I think is so cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. that's, I bet you're like full of Disney trivia. I am. There's a, my favorite ride is, is the Haunted Mansion. Mm -hmm. And in addition to having it memorized, like the ghost host script, um, I, there's this book that the Imagineers wrote that's how it was made. And I'm like obsessed with it, with its history. It's awesome. I'll do another podcast for you if you want, just about the haunted mansion. Oh, dude! <laughs> Please go do a bonus content episode. Let's do a bonus I, I would episode love about to. haunted mansion. I would really love to do. All that. right, I'm in. <laughs> well, my grandfather helped build Disney World. That's so cool. He was on. He was. Well, what do they call him? An estimate here. He was a project manager. Oh wow! And he had to figure out how much all the rides were going to cost. Oh, oh! I think you talked about this with. Um, with Michael Lee Brown because yes. he's also yes, yes. a huge Disney fan and we bonded over that very quickly. Um, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So he he promised to tell me some secrets that he didn't and now he's gone. But oh, <laughs> oh well. no. So I'll read the book. But yeah. no, I, we should do that. Okay. So um, <laughs> well, let's see. Anything else we want to cover? Cool. Yeah. So we'll wrap up here and we'll just go to our standard three closing questions. So first one, very simply, what motivates you? Ooh, um, I think the the thing that that helps me on a daily basis is to look back like a year from now and see what I was doing. And and I was when I was cast in Dear Evan Hansen, I was playing um, Mr. Toad in Wind in the Willows. This happened the week of the show, and I was like, got the call that I was going to do it, and then I had to play Mr. Toad <laughs> at night, and it was like. The like the voice of that character was like um, poop poop like that was the whole <laughs> and and I was like this is what I'm doing right now and a year from now I'll be so to look back at that is kind of like how could I not be thankful because this is all I've ever wanted and how could I not be motivated by that and then it's just sort of uh, when I when I when I meet um, kids at, at the stage door who it means so much to them. Or when I get to do um, a, a workshop or a Q&A or something with, with some teenagers, that's really special. Because I'm like, they're working so hard and that's how hard I was working and I should never be working any less than that. Can you give me a line from waving through, waving through the window as Mr. Toad? Oh, yeah. Um, I've learned to slam on the brake. I just saw the director of this the other day. <laughs> Before I even turn the key. <laughs> it's actually pretty applicable because he's very um, he's very obsessed with cars. So that works a little bit. But he crashes them. So I guess he hasn't learned the... Before I make the mistake. It's like the Duke of Wesselton from Frozen. Oh, yeah. That was really my, my basis for the voice. Wesselton. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the second question. <laughs> second question. What advice would you give to your younger self? Not that you're that old. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people now listening, starting out down a similar path? Yeah, um, I, I, th I think I'm really proud of my younger self for working as, as hard as I did and not um, never giving up on it and, and recognizing that there's room to grow. And I think that's that's the number one thing that all young people wanting to get into this business need to know is that you're not the best. You're, you're, you're just not. You're not better than anyone else in the room. You might not, you, you, ju you just need to work hard and you'll never be the best person in the room because everyone has something different to bring to the table. But you just need, if you want to be quote unquote good enough to get into this business, you just need to keep working and you can get there. And there's no reason to think that, that you can't, even if it takes you, you know, 
however long, as long as you keep growing, there's, there's, no, there's no limit to how much you can grow. But I think to, to my younger self, I would just want to say to keep doing it, I guess, and never feel ashamed or, or don't, don't, don't get distracted by just, just work, I think, and, and, and enjoy it. I think, I think that's probably really important. And that's probably what I would say is enjoy it as much as you can. Cool. And then last question, if you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Whoa. Um, um, I mean, I, tr I truly loved Year of Hansen. Um, and I think, but I, I won't use that as my answer because that's, that's lame <laughs> because people, everyone thinks I'm being paid to say that and I am, but I really mean it. Um, because I, I just I think it's it's a pretty perfect musical. Um, you know I you know I think my answer might be Little Shop of Horrors. I I love that show, and it's just so fun. I don't think I don't think you can see one show for the rest of your life. And if it's like really sad, that that would that would that wouldn't be great. I think Little Shop is just so much fun, and it's never not fun. I think that's my answer. I love Little Shop of Horrors. Great. So we can find you online on Instagram at Andrew B. Feldman underscore. Was yep. there another Andrew B. Feldman? There is, and I've been thinking about reaching out to him. He's a lawyer. He's still on Instagram, and I've I've been thinking about reaching out. To him. It seems like a lot of people do not like him because I get accidentally tagged in a lot of really mean things to Andrew Andrew Feldman on Twitter. Andrew B. Feldman. There, maybe it's another. Um, politician. I don't know. But anyway. Yes. Okay. So Instagram, Andrew B. Feldman underscore on Twitter at Andrew B. Feldman. There he I guess that guy. That guy didn't go on to Twitter and claim the name. You can get more of me in the theater podcast at the theaterpodcast.com. Please show your support via the theaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. Theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Please share with your friends, tell your friends, rate the podcast. That's how we grow and get amazing guests like Andrew. And this is produced by Jillian Hockman, edited by Matthew Hendershot. And thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. Andrew, thank you so much. I really thank enjoyed you. this. Thank you, you so much for such having me. You are such a good person. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> That's so kind of you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.